Welcome to the Unconventional Therapist Guide to Nothing. Hey everyone, we are the Unconventional Therapists, and this is your guide to nothing, a place where each and every week we take a topic, theme, or thing, overanalyze it, and make it all make sense in the scheme of life, living, and mental health. My name is Dave. I'm joined here with my co-host, Greg, Detective Greg, today. That's right. That's right. We'll see how good of a detective, but very amateur, I guess I could say. Yeah, yeah. You're like... um. You'd be in like that board game, like to catch a predator. No, is that the, the board game that they advertise? <laughs> no, that's predator? not a board game. Dude. Get to killer. Is... <laughs> Get to killer is the board is the board game. Yeah. yeah. You're more to catch a predator, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, hey, listen, I may look like the person walking into the room. No, I, I meant you'd be the guy catching the predator. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, good. Your okay. head went right to the <laughs> other role. Wow. Yeah, just the mustache. You know, okay. mustache gets a bad reputation. Hey, really even does. in your own mind, I wasn't even I, going there. I guess so. I guess so. It's it's a look, I guess. You stereotyped yourself. I know. I shouldn't do that. Hey, listen, that's why uh, looks can be deceiving. That's what I always mm. say. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes right, Dave, they're pretty spot on. Let's get real. You know what I mean? Because obviously we're joking around here, but let's get real. Yeah, let's get a life. On the evening... Of August 20th, 1989, Jose and Kitty Menendez were murdered while dozing off, watching a movie together. They were killed by their own sons, Lyle and Eric. Like now, let's, you know, these, these are boys who were born to a life of privilege entitled, no sense of real responsibility, no, no need to ever learn how to navigate the world. I think of people that we've covered I think of Countess Bathory. I think of Madame Lollerie. People who just have everything and never really learned what it was like to want and to have to be in that position. So kind of little monsters, I guess. But maybe, maybe, maybe not. So, I mean, all this, all the money and access these guys have, the, the American dream, yet they're completely uncivilized. Kind of the opposite of Eileen Warnos. The opposite. So either way is not great. No, extremism is great. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think first before we talk about our ideas on how this happened, why this happened, was it self defense? Was it just pure cold blooded murder for money? Um, We should talk, set the stage a little bit. Talk about the parents, and then talk about the boys themselves. What do you think? Sounds good. So let's start with Dada, as I'm often called. Jose, by, by my youngest. Oh, by there. your kids. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so Jose emigrated to America from Cuba. His yep. family, they, he came from a really impressive family. They, they had this upward trajectory. They were both athletes. In fact, his mother was like a legendary athlete. And as communist was, you know, Castro was coming to power in Cuba Jose thought, well, Jose's parents thought it'd be a good idea to get them out of there. And they came to America. He worked, his, his family worked his way up. He worked his way up from, you know, an intern to an entertainment executive. So he was extremely successful. He ruled the house with an iron fist and eventually being the CEO at his business at, at an entertainment company, he, he ruled that place with an iron fist too. So he's this extremely successful Wants things the way they that he wants them, kind of guy. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting that you said he ruled his, even his work with an iron fist. And I think that's pretty telling of the kind of character he was, but also how people responded to him. I don't know if you caught this, but um, some of his coworkers were not surprised of his death. And yeah. one, per- one actually reported that like, kind of like, it was almost like gleeful the way that they responded to hearing about his death. Yeah, that's kind of sad. But look, the thing is, unfortunately, if you're going to start at the bottom of a business and make your way to the top of a business that you didn't create, it's, I mean, I think that that's, is it necessary to be that way? I don't know. It seems like that's part of the formula. You have to be ruthless and be willing to step on other people on your way up. Yeah. I mean, well, I think there's a difference between that and the kind of notoriety he was getting for just not being a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there, there could be, I guess there could be a difference in that. Right. Like, I, I, like ruthless versus like, bi- like that's business. You know what I mean? You could say yeah. that at the end or be, between that, there's a difference between that and just being just a mean guy. And I, and I think it's also telling when not only at work, are you considered to be not a nice guy, but also like, outside of work, you're considered to be not a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and you can imagine behind closed doors, you're really not a nice guy. So the, the boys probably fed, oh, yeah. felt the, the brunt of that. But also his wife, Mary Louise Anderson, known as Kitty, we'll, we'll refer to her as Kitty in this, in this story. Why do you say that's it that a, way? Why do you say it's it? okay with you? I don't know. It just seems like you don't, you don't care for that name. It fits her personality. It, you know, we don't have, we don't have much on her because she, I feel like her light went out before the murder. I think that between those boys that she was raising and the the overbearing husband, like she had nothing left. She was really depressed. She was really anxious. We'll talk about her relationship with her therapist going down the road. But Jose, he was cheating on her too with multiple yes. partners. So. Yes, and she was aware. Yeah, she was completely aware. And that says something too, Dave, right? Being aware that you're being, um, that your partner's being, stepping out on you and staying in the relationship. Yeah. That's something well, about she, where you're at. She wanted inside. the relationship to stay. She didn't want to end the relationship. And yeah, she was basically willing to stay with whatever the conditions were in order to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, nothing, nothing she did was good enough for Jose. But she was, and as far as the boys goes, she was closer to Eric than she was to Lyle. But towards the end, she, we'll find out that I think that even she was like feeling something was coming. She, she didn't feel comfortable around them. They were just, there's something dangerous about purposeless men. Do you you know what I mean by that? Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to know kind of like where your viewpoint is coming on that because- some of what I understand for them and going back to Jose a little bit, you know, reports of being mentally and physically abusive to, to both Lyle and Eric, not just by family members, but also like outside people, such as like tennis coaches, he would pressure and push them to be the best at whatever they were doing. And he was really, right. I guess he really pushed them into tennis and he would fire the tennis coaches if they didn't do what he said. I guess there was a match supposedly where uh, he was giving the boys hand signals. <laughs> he was in the, in the stands and he was giving the hand signals and Eric like got upset and was like, I'm not going to cheat. And oh, man. Eric lost. And I guess he was pretty severely punished, whatever, you know, you can use your imagination to what that would mean. 
Yeah, no, I, and I know like it's, it's confusing what I'm, what I'm trying to say. And I, cause I, it's confusing to me too, but I think there's something about the way men used to be raised where, I mean, we're talking, you know, maybe centuries ago where like there would be a rite of passage and you would earn this right. And then nowadays it seems like with privilege and, and these things, the, the masculine qualities that, you know, you could call it toxic masculine, masculinity, whatever these not used in the right form. I think that's when it becomes toxic, right? Like this, this, you know, all this aggression and testosterone at that age being used for the wrong reasons, I think is what, I think that's what makes masculinity toxic, not being used for the right thing. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah. I, I just, work with yeah, no, I, I, I can see that it, there's a lot of stuff that kind of plays into this though. Right. So mm. it's, it's really hard to look at it just one way. Oh, uh, of course. Right. So just, I mean, just a few more things about the parents as far as Jose goes. So I mentioned, you know, with the, the Eric and the tennis, did you hear the story about him making Lyle wear a toupee? Because <laughs> no. He, no. he was upset that one of his kids was losing his hair. So kind of like shaming him for his looks and having like this, this standard, not just with like athleticism as we see with Eric, but also now a standard with appearance and how they're going to present. And I mean, you, you could imagine that playing tennis in a toupee. That's just... no, 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 that <laughs> see, I don't, I know Eric stayed with tennis and he was really into tennis. I don't mm. know if Lyle was actively playing tennis at toupee time. That would <laughs> not have been the case. I don't know. Yeah. yeah you're never going to make it in the world without a toupee. And you know what? When I look in the mirror, maybe there's some truth to that. <laughs> So, and kind of going along the lines of what you were saying, though, as far as like not really being able to like, the boys never having that chance to like earn things or have that rite of passage. So he was, you know, really pushing them to go to good schools. And he wanted, I think it was uh, Lyle, he wanted to go to Princeton. Yeah. And Lyle's grades were pretty much mediocre at best. So Jose flies out to New Jersey and donates 50,000 to Princeton. And what do you know? He's admitted. <laughs> you know what? You know, you're in. You're in. <laughs> Those grades are good enough. And then Lyle lasts a semester and gets, what, suspended for plagiarism? <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that, yeah. So his father's embarrassed, right? Yeah. And then, you know, after that, and I mean, we were getting ahead of ourselves here, but just speaking of what it was like for Jose, too he's like, all right, well, I, you can't be doing nothing. Like kind of like we're talking about, right? It's dangerous for you to be doing nothing. So he gives him a job and Lyle messes that up and gets fired from the job that his dad is the CEO at. That's got to be embarrassing. That's, that's pretty bad. But it also kind of shows you how little effort he's probably putting into this, how little right. he wants to do these things. Like they, they're not getting the opportunities to do the things they want. Like I think Lyle really wanted to do... Didn't he want to like do restaurant business or something along those lines? Yeah, and he will. We will see. So Eric doesn't want to go to college. He wants to pursue a career in tennis. He's still in high school at this time, uh, just about to graduate. But Jose is like basically pressuring him into going to UCLA. So it's like their paths are laid out for them. We're living in a time where, you know, Maybe in the past, that's something that would be common. But at this time, it's like, you know, you would think that they would have some ownership of their own lives. But it's like, no, if you want to enjoy this life of luxury, 
this is the path you're going to take. These are the standards you're going to meet. And unfortunately for both of those boys, neither of them could ever live up to the standards Jose had for them. No, but what do you think Jose's intentions were? Do you think he was trying to be a good father? No, I think Jose just had an idea in his head of what perfection, perfection looks like and what he expects. And I just think that, yeah, I don't, I don't think he cared about how they felt or what they wanted. I think he cared about how they would make him look. And they constantly okay. failed him. So that's, as long as Jose, as long as Jose exists, they cannot be who they want to be. Yes. So also we we touched on Kitty a little bit. Mm. So aside from knowing yeah. about the affairs, <laughs> he also there was claim Eric claims that Jose would hit her, which is obviously not that you know hard to believe. No. She also struggled with a like a really bad temper. Uh, she abused prescription meds and alcohol, and uh, she was actually hospitalized for overdosing. And reportedly, that wasn't the first time that she had tried to kill herself, and she had actually tried it a few times. Uh. She acknowledged that she never wanted kids and would actively repeat that. So She's both like, boys, these kids. yeah, both boys kind of knew that they weren't even really wanted by their mom. Yeah. Think about this picture that we're painting about for these kids. So it sounds bad for them, but then there is, you know, for me, it's like, what came first? These, did they, obviously the way they Your were mom not up, wanting kids. What's that? <laughs> what came first? Their mom not wanting kids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm not being or, wanted. In or, the or world. Ha- I, mean, I guess I'm saying, or having Eric and Lyle watching them grow up and being like, oof, I just didn't want these kids. Cause they are, they are kind yeah. of little monsters. Isn't that, a, isn't that impossible for us to say though? And if I assume uh, that that's course, yeah, yeah, that that could ever be a scenario where that was what came first. We don't hear enough about what it was like when they were very, very little, very, very little. We, we, and we should talk about the relationship though, because, and we do have some instances of them when they were young and some of the odd things that they did. So Eric and Lyle, they had a very special bond, which I don't know. Do you have any brothers? I don't have brothers. No. So they, they wouldn't fight. Eric worshipped the ground Lyle walked on. And so it's like a weird, a little too special relationship. They both had severe stomach issues. And that's obviously that's probably because of the pressure Jose was putting on them. That's how kids, you know, display anxiety. I thought Um, there was lactose intolerance. You know what I'm thinking? (laughs) Could be the cheese. (laughs) That would be the Cuban sandwiches. But the, the, you know, I'm thinking about it too. Like maybe they were trauma bonded. Well, that's a possibility. That is a possibility. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, when you know your parents don't really care for you, you have a dad who's constantly pushing you into doing things you don't want to do. You're both feeling the same way. You probably feel like you are your only allies in this world. There's not like a competitive, like I'm going to do better than Lyle or I'm going to do better than Eric. Because neither of them can win. They right. both fit to both of his, the dad and the mom. There's a lot of instances that I read that point to an abusive, and of course we're foreshadowing here, that there could have been a potentially really abusive home life. Like uh, Lyle's wetting the bed until his teenage years. Well, <laughs> Greg, so I don't know how far ahead this this skips. And if we have things that come before this, we can backtrack a little bit. When... 
Lyle comes back for Eric's graduation. This is what you were telling, saying, like, basically he was out of Princeton at this time. Yeah. Um, he's possibly gotten some trouble in New Jersey with the law. So he comes back and Eric tells him that basically uh, Jose has been sexually abusing him for a very long time. And then Lyle tells Eric that the same thing had been happening to him for a long time. They're 18 and 21 at this point, and neither of them had disclosed this to each other. It's concerning. And we'll talk. I, is it, so, you know, you're talking about um, potential sexual abuse. That's, that's what we're talking about right now. And there's a couple of things that suggest that. One is there was, I, and maybe we should, we should save it for later, but Jose, this is just coming out now, kind of like a modern pop culture thing. Jose was grooming and raping members of the band Menudo. That's something that's coming out now. So that suggests that he would be potentially a dangerous. Is that man. founded or is that allegation? So I, I can only say that the there is claims are mounting. It's it's like a me too kind of thing. It, there was one claim and now there, there's multiple. I think some like in the teens. So there's wow. there's a good amount of Ricky Martin. I don't know if it was Ricky Martin. I feel like that would have been the first name you saw, but I think it was like this. Your sources aren't reporting. It's Ricky Martin. My sources, my sources haven't returned my calls yet. Okay. But we're working on it. And and there was this other instance where the brothers had a sleepover with a female cousin. They took off her clothes. They tied her up. Lyle, this is going back a little bit because Lyle was 14. Eric was 11. And Lyle, you know, the, the cousin would say that Lyle tried things with her multiple times, but this suggests something of, their like abuse in the house is a fairly normal thing. Like they thought it was kind of normal to be able to have this kind of behavior. Well, for them to get that idea almost feels like it's like that idea that, you know, someone who's abused is at risk of possibly offending. Yeah, of course. What's also dangerous about these boys is you remember the Milgram experiment where like the guy would shock and the person would cry out and they'd be getting hurt, whatever. They found in that study that the more people that were doing it together, the more likely they were to to hurt people. You know what I mean? The more easy, the easier it was. So the fact that they have each other to kind of get into, like, so they're they're sort of sexually assaulting their cousin together. Would one of them do it alone? Would this, if there was just one of them, would this, um, would would Lyle have ever, ever just killed his parents? I don't think so. I think that there's something dangerous about there being two of them. And I don't even know if Eric really wanted to do any of it. I think this is all kind of Lyle's doing. Hmm. It's it's hard to say because if the story about them both disclosing their sexual abuse to each other doesn't happen, or if it like does any of it happen, hmm. is that the thing that got them both? Like, would this eventually have happened just because of the way their dad was, or would they have just kind of strayed away from him? Something tells me they never would have strayed away from him because he is the money source. Right. So I think they both would have eventually returned and like kind of stayed close by. So would this have happened at some other time? Well, that's the dangers that I'm talking about of not being able to become who you're like your own person. That's yeah. scary. Like, would it have happened? Not if they, you know, people get abused all the time and that doesn't mean they, they murder people. They were getting abused and didn't murder him. What's that? Kitty was getting abused and not murder and didn't murder him. Kitty didn't murder anybody. Yeah. She she, ah, poor Kitty. And maybe, maybe Kitty has, if if Kitty would have 
spoken up because she probably knew exactly what was going on. So I mean, maybe she has some uh, responsibility in this. Well, she does. And I'm, and here's my reason why I say this. I, I mean, one thing that we know, so like, obviously the sexual abuse allegations that's out there. It is what it is. I don't know if we can really prove or disprove if that's like, if that happened the way that they describe it and everything. Uh, but one thing that was actually founded, I guess, or reported by a friend of the mom of Kitty. Mm-hmm. So kind of would be weird for her to make up a story since it was her friend. But like the parents were starting to use the money over the boys almost yes. as a way of controlling. And that came after supposedly uh, weeks leading up to the murder. Supposedly there was a lot of conflict and the boys report that it was because they approached and confronted their parents about the abuse. So they were saying like that they, that the conflicts were coming because they were like talking about that. And then the parents were using the will, the inheritance as kind of like leverage over them. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be careful who you say this to, because just don't, don't you forget we can change the inheritance and you won't get anything. So when I said this, something was actually overheard. One of Kitty's friends actually reported being at the house, hearing Kitty say like she was on the phone, she was doing something on the computer, I think. And she she said, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm changing the will. The boys aren't getting anything. And I guess the friend's like, you know, Lyle's right down the hall. He's going to hear you. And she goes, he already knows he's not getting anything. He knows he knows he knows that they know they're in trouble or something along those lines. Basically, it's it's leverage, right? Yeah. It's like do you know if you don't do good, we're you're we're gonna punish you by not giving by not putting giving you this inheritance when we die. Yeah, you know, things were getting tough around that time. And she even mentions to her therapist who, you know, he subpoenaed and not, and of course we're gonna talk about um Eric's therapist too, but the therapist says that she tells him or her that um, they're sociopaths. She's completely terrified of them. They're robbing the neighbors too. They're they're going out and they're robbing the neighbors. It just 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 another thing saying that they they feel absolutely nothing. They're not concerned with other people's properties. They don't care about anybody else. And she feels like her she's in danger. And with the neighbors and them robbing them. What do you, how do you think that plays out? Do you, so, and rather than them have any accountability or responsibility, Jose goes around and pays the neighbors for whatever was missing. Yeah. To so cover it up. It's weird. Like, is that, that's his pride, right? He doesn't want yeah. to be associated with, he doesn't want his sons to be known as criminals or slugs or whatever, all the things that they are. He's embarrassed he, them. He actually says, How could you be so stupid to get caught? You are sheep, not leaders. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. And then the boys, Eric. So uh, oftentimes I'll think like, oh, Eric was just completely manipulated. But Eric writes this screenplay. And in the screenplay, it's about two rich boys who murder their rich parents for the money. And I think that Lyle reads this and thinks, maybe this could work. Hmm. This is right. This is like days before the murder is about to happen. I mean, so you, like you mentioned, you've got the parents trying to leave at, leave them out of their will. We've got the, the screenplay, which will be mentioned. Um, Kitty's scared. She thinks her sons are sociopaths. They're doing things. They're antisocial behavior. <laughs> so she thinks they're sociopaths, yet she's teasing them and toying with them. I know. I don't know. It's tough. So what happens? 
the murder. You want to describe this thing? I 100% do. Okay. <laughs> hey, side note, their estate was valued at more than $14 million. This is in 1989. I would love to hear what that translates to today. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to do off the top of my head. I would like to say 50 million. A billion? Trillion dollars. <laughs> I don't know. Holy crap. Is that a billion dollars now? <laughs> um, oh, just real quick before the murders. So the boys act. So it's funny. You said Kitty tells her therapist that she fears for her life. Mm-hmm. The boys actually claim that they feared for their life, and that's why uh, they went and bought shotguns in San Diego to protect themselves. Yeah, uh, protect yourself from Kitty. Everybody's afraid for their lives. Uh, I know. What a family! It's almost like money creates monsters. It's almost like it. It's almost like that. <laughs> so, all right. So we're August twentieth, nineteen eighty nine. Armed with shotguns. The two boys enter their parents' home while their parents are sitting on the couch watching a James Bond movie that comes out that year. Pierce Brosnan. Uh, yeah, I forget which one it was. License to Kill. Is that the Beastie Boys? No, it wasn't License to Kill. It was a different one, and I'll tell you why I know it wasn't License to Kill. So it was a different, whatever Bond movie comes out in 1989. Should have done my research. Um, so as they are shooting with the shotguns, Jose is shot in the head, dies immediately. Kitty jumps up and attempts to run away. She's injured by shots. They, I think they shoot her in the leg, which, so she falls. They, can, we, can we pause right there for a second before, yeah. in your narrative of this murder? You're Kitty. You wake up. You're covered in your husband's viscera and blood. And you realize he's been murdered right next to you. And the next realization is that it was done by the children you birthed from your own body. That you and never know they're going to kill you too. Yeah. Can you imagine the emotion and the thoughts that were going through ahead in this moment? In this in these moments. In a in a really sick way, it's almost like self-fulfilling prophecy when you constantly remind the two individuals you gave birth to that you never wanted children and then they end up coming and being the causes of your death. Yeah. It's, it's a really twisted fate, right? It really is. Yeah. So Kitty's injured by the shots. She's on the ground. The brothers run out of ammo. So they have to go out to the car. And they, have, they get some spare shotgun shells. Eric hands them into Lyle. And I think Eric stays outside. So Lyle proceeds to go back in to finish off the job and, you know, shoot his mother until she dies. They, I mean, and in that moment, they have to decide, like, yeah, like all the emotion that is gone out of it. Now it's just things are happening, and you have to make that choice. Yes, I'm going to finish off my mother. You have an opportunity to let her live. Well, and of course, you'll go to jail. It didn't sound like that was a, an option to them. So they shot Jose five to six times. They shot Kitty ten times. She was unrecognizable because she was shot in the face while Jose was shot in the head. They so the next thing they do, as far as I'm aware, is they call 911. And you can listen to this dispatch tape anywhere, it's pretty accessible. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, and they tell the dispatchers that somebody came into their home and oh, they came home and they found their parents murdered. Um, they 
had this elaborate story about how they went to go see Batman at the movies, but it sold out. So they went to go see a James Bond movie, but they went to go see license, James Bond License to Kill, which was the new one that was out. The parents were watching another one that was, had already been out. All right. So. Yeah, so this is their story. Police arrive and, you know, they stick with their story and they look distraught. They claim it could have been a mob hit because some of the wounds, like, for example, getting shot in the knee, in the kneecap, look yeah, like... Also, that- like, execution-type shots, too. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And... Um, I didn't with- really think about this, but, like, capping someone. What is it? Capping someone. Oh, okay, the kneecap. Shooting thing. in the kneecap. Yeah, you just, you, you're doing that thing where you're like, I was today years old when I learned what capping meant. Is that what capping means? I mean, because I would be today years old too. I didn't realize that. So, yeah. I thought um, like a cap was like the top of a bullet. Yeah, like bust a cap in you. Yeah, like the bullet broke off. Now all that's left is it's little toupee, the little bullet toupee. Uh, now I'll get a cap, yeah. All right, <laughs> so... Yeah, so they stick with the story about the mob. Um, so the police, they're so convincing. The police actually believe the boys. And- well, yeah, but when they get there, did you hear this? That Eric was running into the tree over and over again, like head first. He no. was just l- completely losing it. And Lyle was much calmer saying his parents looked like wax figures. And that's dark to me because you, it's kind of... Every anytime I've seen like a like a body like on on the news or whatever that whenever you would see it like on a documentary, um, I'm thinking of Paradise Lost. But you kind of it does kind of have that, you know, something's missing look wax figure vibe to almost, it. Yeah, it just doesn't look real almost. Yeah, it's it's a hard really a hard thing to look at dead bodies like as I mean we're looking at them through video or through camera like photos. But like when you look at them, it's really hard to like envision them as like real. Like they, they were just real a second ago. It almost makes you, forces you to believe in some type of spirit. I know not you. Oh boy. Oh. I know not you. I'm this just is, saying. We're talking about the Menendez brothers. Something was animating ghosts. that flesh. A ghosts, are not, ghosts are not part of this. <laughs> okay. They're not part of this story. Okay. I, I won't, I won't shoehorn ghost story into this. I promise. So that <laughs> they, so they did that. You're right. The, the police did believe that they had nothing to do with it because, you know, I mean, just regular commonplace thinking, you're not going to think the, the kids killed their own parents. But then they start acting a little strange. They go and spend. Wait, see, you missed something, though. Did I? Because the police didn't believe them, they didn't do any of the, like, probably basic steps they should have done. Mm. Like, they didn't. So just because since they were there, they should have done gunshot residue tests on their hands. Right. They should have they, done that. They should have they searched the car. DNA is not really a thing right now. Not really a usable thing. Not until OJ. That's probably, I think that's maybe the first time. I don't think they were looking for DNA. Gunshot residue. Yeah. Just okay. that they would have had that. Or they didn't even search the car where the guns were literally in the trunk of the of their car, which they later ditched somewhere on Mulholland Drive. Wow. So, so boys, I mean, those are two clear things that they could have done and probably should have done just because they were at the scene of a crime. And well, they, the boys didn't cover their tracks great. They would be so. That's one thing in the column of, you know, the Jose not being as abusive as they'll claim. Because initially, I don't know. Initially, they claim that it was a mob hit instead of saying we had to do this in self defense. It reached a point where we couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't? Wouldn't that have been a decent defense? And they'd be, well, I don't know. 
because they could have left. How, I mean, how old are they at the time? How old is Lyle at the time? He's a man, 21. right? He's 21. Yeah. So, okay. That doesn't really work. So they go, they go on spending sprees. They buy cars, they buy clothes. Lyle racks up 90 grand on his American Express. Um, they, they thought bought, they were a ton of money and they only got 2 million, 2 million each. They bought three Rolex watches. They spent 15,000 on three Rolex watches, which they wore to the funeral five days later. Right. Just after the murder, they, five they, days after the murder. That's how quickly they're spending this money. That is emotionless. That's that is sociopathic. Yeah. They there's spent a, over a, $700,000. $700, that's almost hard to do in a, in that short period of time. But in, in, in 1990, you know, they bought a, Lyle bought a Porsche. Eric buys a Jeep Wrangler. Okay, uh, that's, Lyle, that's sort of okay. Lyle, like you had uh, alluded to, he puts $300,000 down on a restaurant, like a cafe, I guess, in mm-hmm. Princeton, New Jersey. Um, Eric puts forty grand towards a rock concert at the LA Palladium, but yeah. he gets it's screwed like a out of that. Yeah. And he gets screwed out of it. He doesn't get his money back, and it, it doesn't end up happening. He also he hired that with, was he doing that with Ja Rule? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, but the, that, that business that Lyle buys... It was an established, very successful, well-known business. It'd be like coming to Rhode Island and buying Dell's and changing the name. Well, he changes the name to Mr. Buffalo. Yeah. And, and so it's like a, it makes it like a wings place, but. Might as well call could, it Buffalo Droppings or something it, like that. Right, right. Because it wasn't a bad investment. It was only bad once he changed the name. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. And Eric also sinks a ton of money into tennis pro lessons and yeah. getting into the, all these tournaments where it's like, yeah, he was good at tennis, but he was never going to be good enough to go pro. How how eighties nineties is this? They book a they buy a ski trip to Aspen. Yeah. I feel like that's so like retro. Like I picture I them wearing like these starter jackets, yeah. like they're coming down the yeah. like, with all flashy nineties colors. <laughs> like they're definitely the mountain villains too. Like uh, and they and they just <laughs> stop. They skid stop in the snow yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, with those big goggles, like oh my god, I totally have a vision of them. Oh god! So Eric, Eric he spent also, that money quick. I think Eric is really having a hard time, though. I think he he is the one. Lyle is definitely the the ringleader because Eric's feeling pretty guilty. He talks to his therapist, Doctor Oziel, who is an interesting guy. Um, he tells him that he can't take it anymore, and he finally confesses to the whole murder. Tells the the therapist exactly how. It went about, and the doctor wouldn't have said a word if it had not been for his mistress eavesdropping on all his yes. sessions, which is crazy. So, so the doctor was bound to some level of confidentiality, at the time. right? But we both know, as we're both bound to confidentiality, if it involves murdering someone, yeah, you can. I, you're I don't. I wish I remembered the exact details, but I I feel like I heard something about there being a specific law at the time there mm-hmm. that was protecting him from being able to say anything. Although, although now I, that I'm thinking of it, isn't the, isn't the rule. If we feel like someone's going to do harm to the self, to themselves or others, we have to say something, but if the harm's already done. Yeah. I, I feel like there was something about the, the law at that time there that was protecting him from having to say anything. So the mistress thing, and she was mad because why he stopped seeing her. Yeah. Yeah. And so she tells the police and they have his recording subpoenaed. And that's when the boys, I mean, you know, 
so so once once they're once it comes out, it becomes clear that the boys murdered their parents. They completely pivot and claim that it was self-defense. And in their minds, maybe, especially Eric, maybe it was the defense of the self he thought he was entitled to. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in in Eric's mind, he feels like he was entitled to that money. And he thinks that Jose and Kitty were going to get in the way of it. So he was defending the self that he thought he deserved. He thought he deserved to be a rich kid. He knew nothing else. So in his mind, maybe it was self-defense. I don't know. There's a bunch of people on TikTok that are rolling over in their graves right now. <laughs> the, roll, the TikTok people are rolling over in their graves? <laughs> yeah. Is that true? <laughs> there's, so there's, a, there's been a big shift of thought process around this. And I think a lot of it is because people becoming more aware of the impacts of sexual abuse and various types of emotional and physical abuse. And I think that there are a lot of people that are starting to shift to Eric and Lyle being victims. And I think that you would struggle with that. I think I kind of see it, but like, it's, I don't know that it justifies 10 shotgun bullets to the, to uh, Kitty and six to Jose, you know? Well, look, I might surprise you here, but if, if it comes out and it's a hundred percent true that, Jose was sexually abusing his children. I think that he got exactly what he deserved. Yeah, I do. I I feel like if you're, because doing that to a child who doesn't have the option of fight or flight, they can't fight, they can't flight. So you're going to do like damage to them. That's going to last their entire life. And it's going to not only damage them, it's going to damage almost everyone they encounter. And if it's almost the ultimate justice, if, Jose was abusing him and he was the one that paid the ultimate price. And if Kitty knew about it, she got what she deserved too. Is that too much? Does this remind you of the DeFeo story a little bit? Yeah. It uh, what, you, Amityville? Yeah. It, it has, no, but was there any sexual violence? In, uh, no, but there was a lot of abuse and there was a lot of claims of abuse from the dad. And like, just, just some of that, like, that conflict, like if the abuse is true, does that somewhat justify how somebody grow like turns into the person that doesn't act like this? Does it not, yeah. maybe, maybe justify is a terrible word to use? Does it explain how somebody grows up and turns into this type of person? Is someone born this way or are they created this way? Or is it a little mix of both where like it takes a certain type of person? in in the right circumstance to turn into this almost that perfect storm but i do think sociopaths are created for the most part i think maybe you there's a vulnerability to it but i i think you are created and i think that empathy can be unlearned look when when you're if you have kids and you look at the things that they do they'll come up to you and hit you with anything empathy isn't i don't think it's natural i think it's something that's learned through, you know, your own experiences and, and, you know, I I don't know. There's definitely a nurture element to this where it's there, they were created and maybe that is something if if their parents created the monsters, then I don't know. Is there some, is there some justice in that too? And I also think Dave, answer me this. If it was strictly physical violence, no sexual violence, is that that's 
unquestionably a lesser crime, right? That that doesn't rise to the depends the level of the physical violence, though. Yeah, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that statement um, because there's some pretty messed up physical violence stories that I've heard. I, I agree, but there's something just when you add the sexual element to it. There's something just so insidious about that. That you know, you these are the people that are supposed to be protecting you, and you're just completely destroying that person for the rest of their life. And if it's physical, just physical, I don't know. I guess that's bad too. This it's just a tough one. I it was, I guess I'm trying to get either way, either way. This is a case of the ultimate betrayal. Parents abusing their children that they're they're supposed to be protecting them. That's the ultimate betrayal. Or if the abuse isn't real and it was just an excuse to try to like you know, your defense, then children killing their, the people so, who raised them is the ultimate, you know, betrayal. So the stat of how many uh, murders involve both parents being murdered is actually incredibly low compared mm. to what you might think in your head. Like, I mean, I, I don't think about that very often, but like, if you asked me and I didn't know, and I didn't hear that, like, I probably would have assumed like, sure, I'm sure it happens here and there. But it's actually like remarkably low compared to like one parent being murdered. Um, for both parents to be murdered, all right. Put yourself in their shoes for a second. Okay. There. What are the, what kind of shoes are we wearing? Very expensive shoes. Low first, probably. Probably. <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's where I like. I think that's where this gets all convoluted because they have money. We're mm-hmm. looking at it through a certain lens. If the same exact situation happened, same exact like parent kid dynamics happened, but they had lower income or middle class, we'd be having a totally different story. But because and I wonder, I wonder where, where you're going with that. Because I did well. That is just it's a fact because I hear it in almost every statement you've made, and I because I think that like it it filters the way you see this the story. Well, is it, is it because that are you going from the angle like where we all kind of love to see a fall from grace? And, you know, possibly I, yeah, I think that there's something that our, our view of a story shifts when we feel like everybody in the story is sort of like entitled, Mm -hmm. spoiled, but like what I was actually going to say before that, and we can come back to this idea for you. So put yourself in their shoes for you to want to kill both of your parents. That means you have zero love for either of them. You are completely fine never seeing a parental your either of your parental figures ever again what causes that is that even a sociopath i feel like might have some love for their parent well i i think that i'm not i don't know if it, that's exactly what it says that they don't have any love for their parents i think that all it's saying that it, at least in the case of lyle that his love for himself completely outweighed his love for his parents and his love for his or future, his, his love, love for, for his for brother. Money. What about his love for his brother? Wow. What if what if he was really because bo- he went through the sexual abuse, Greg, for twenty one. Well, however long it was happening, but he yeah. was twenty one years old. He went through it just fine. He went to Princeton. He had his, you know, he was failing. His life was kind of messed up, but he still had goals for himself. He was goal driven. We can say that about both of them. Yeah. They had goals. It wasn't until supposedly he found out about Eric's abuse that this came about and then that they were supposedly starting to confront the parents about the sexual abuse that any of this started. This could have also been a protective thing. And maybe you were right. What you said earlier, maybe if the two of them were together, 
weren't together, this never would have happened. Maybe this only happened because the two of them were together and they and they felt a level of protection for each other. Like we, yeah, like you said, like uh, what like trauma bonded, mm-hmm. but like we're 100%. I, we got to protect each other. It's interesting so maybe, that maybe it is a different whole different realm that people haven't even considered about this. You know, it's interesting that I, I'm I'm thinking about it as you can almost look at this as a twin study where are, are these sociopaths created in under the same conditions, but they are very different. I think Lyle was create either created a sociopath and he had enough influence over Eric that he was able to drag him along with it. It's that, or that's a very interesting angle that you're talking about was, did Lyle know that this had to be done? We had to get for the abuse yeah. to stop. It had to be done. And did, is there any truth to this, you know, this Menudo stuff where Jose's at work and do they know anything about that? Like yeah. him abusing other people? Like is, yeah. is Lyle, is Lyle a, a hero? And, and if it, and if this Menudo stuff pans out and if I, and, it, and they can prove somehow that Jose was abusing boys, what does that mean for Eric and Lyle's sentencing? Right. Should that be looked at? Greg, I want to I want to throw out another idea to you because there's one way to look at this, yeah, like like both of them are sociopaths because clearly they lack empathy. They're, At least Lyle. They they move on and they're kind of spending all this money, all this stuff. But how about this? So, physical abuse, uh emotional abuse, what do they do to somebody's uh psyche? Like the pressure that the dad puts, the constant reminding that you're worthless, you're wrong, like you messed up again, you're stupid. I have to pay in order to like get you into college. I have to like bail you guys out all the time. What do you think that does to their self-worth? Yeah. Or like imagine the possibilities. You're somebody who feels incredibly low and you're like, like there's nothing that can help you that can make you feel worthwhile yet just in reach is the ability to buy whatever you want, buy the life you want, because you know, you can't actually earn it because you're worthless. Yeah. Like that's a, that could create a monster, right? Absolutely. So you're angry because of your, you're being abused. You're angry. You're filled with rage. You're, you know, you're hateful. You all, you hate yourself, but yet you have that ability because of the money that's in front of you to basically create a life for yourself. And why should you care? Why you're like, why should you care about anybody else? All these strong, crazy emotions, hateful, aggressive, you know, and no, and, and purposeless. Now that's, that's what I think that toxic masculinity is. That's what I think it is. And I think that's, that's what they're created here. Like these, but in, and in their case, can, can we both agree that like this feels created by Jose? hundred percent feels by the home life. I shouldn't even just say Jose because no matter what happens, either said I didn't even want you guys. She said I don't even want kids, and here you guys are just walking around this house. Like that is the most diminishing feeling you could probably have when your own mom says I didn't even want you. Yeah, and then for some reason, in you know pop culture in the courtroom, people. How, how, what was their reaction to them? They hated them, right? Or was it a very mixed bag? I, so I know now I feel like they're more popular 
and I'll be honest with you, they're probably going to be even more popular next year because there's going to be a new season of that show monster, like that, the Jeffrey Dahmer show that I I wonder what angle on Netflix and they're going to do the Menendez brothers. You know, what worries me is like, there's, there's so much pressure this time around after the Dahmer one to put the murderers in a darker light. But here we have this con like this. Here we have a situation where maybe they shouldn't be. Yeah, maybe maybe they actually deserve a fair balance of dark. And I think that in the courtroom, why it was so popular. This was like, was this pre OJ? Just just before. Yeah, OJ was ninety or ninety one. So this might have been the what started off the whole huge courtroom. I mean, this was definitely yeah. This yeah. Either now now whether it was the parents or the boys who are at fault here. I mean, obviously there's fault to go around, but the, the country gets what they want. They get what they crave. They get that, you know, that narcissism filled because it is a fall from grace. They get to see people who are, who, you know, probably consider themselves above them taken down a notch. I mean, people love this. People love to see, you know, politicians fail. They love to remember Brittany people following that. Like people love to see someone who was doing really well crash. I don't know what that's about, but I guess it just makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. You know? Yeah. Are you talking about like the more recent stuff with Brittany or like, oh, well, uh, when she, um, when she shaved her head and all that, I guess, I guess the recent stuff too. No, but everyone loved her at that point. Everyone's like free Brittany. That was like, a oh, like the new like stuff. Phoenix. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. But isn't there like more, isn't there like new, new stuff? Boy, we can't, we shouldn't really talk about this. We don't We have a fan that. who's a very big Brittany fan. So I, I, I sometimes watch the videos and I'm like, I'm a little concerned about Britney's mental health. All right. And I'm concerned about yours because you're watching Britney Spears videos. So <laughs> That's a great point. Over and over. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Touche. Greg, you alluded to there's a special about Jose and the Menuda. Um, yeah. So I think Roy. it's on Peacock. Okay. That's on and, uh, and the name is coming to me though. Roy Rossello is the, you know, his quote was, it's time, the, the big quote at the beginning of the show was, it's time for the world to know the truth. Mm. That's quite a tagline. So hopefully, I don't, honestly, hopefully something comes out of that, one way or the other. What was your awareness of this? Like, did you know this story before? Do you remember it when it was happening? Like, where does this fall in your like timeline of Stuff well, I remember know. seeing a couple, if my only memory of it is, is like, you know, a couple of Zach Morris types sitting in a courtroom and I wasn't really aware of, they murdered their parents. That's all I knew. I didn't know the specifics. Yeah. It's funny. This was definitely before like my like full awareness to like, I knew I heard about it at the time. We were like seven, right? We were like seven years old. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Going on eight. Yep. Yeah, somewhere around there. So it was like something aware awareness of it, but like didn't really understand what happened. I knew they killed somebody, but I didn't really get the whole gist. Later, I knew that they killed their parents. I never knew the story though until today. Yeah, <laughs> well, we, yeah being a kid, about it now. Being kid, you're like, wow, I didn't realize that was an option, killing your parents. And you immediately, of course, like in my psyche, buried down somewhere, I'm I'm anti them. And I had and I had to work on that because I just knew them as the the kids that killed their parents. And who the hell would do that? That doesn't seem right. Oh, I thought you were saying you really had to work on not being like them. 
no, no. Really? Wow, your parents should be scared. No, my parents, they were good to go. So there's a little interesting factoid here. There is a basketball card. Do you know about this? No. Oh, okay. So there is a Mark Jackson basketball card. Mark Jackson was a point guard on the Knicks. And it's an NBA hoops. I want to say, and I'm going to probably get the date wrong. 80, 88, 89, or 89, 90 basketball season. And the Menendez brothers are sitting courtside in the basketball card. And I went to my parents' house like two months ago and I have like boxes of basketball cards there. And I was like scouring, trying to find that card because I just remembered it. Um, I known about that card for a long time, but I just remembered it. I was, I was like, oh, I hope I have it. I hope I have it. But I wow, what would something like that be worth? It's on eBay. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, Sometimes you'll see it for a ridiculous price just because of them. People love murderbilia. So, yeah, yeah. Every time we do a, a like, there's so many things that I've been wanting, like um, uh, Kevorkian, pre- like original. That'd be great. Yeah. You know, that card would be great. I yeah. mean, there, there was, there's, uh, you know, a Billy Milligan painting. I told you I got that, um, the true crime uh, comic book about Eileen Warnos. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, it's cool stuff, but like it can kind of go for a lot of money, some of that stuff. So, so you hold on uh, to it, right? If anybody has some basketball cards and you got that Mark Jackson one, I'll buy it off you. So that, maybe that's, maybe that's the other thing that we're speaking to here. What's the fascination with, and you know, this comes up over and over again, like that, like dark, you know, why was this popular? Well, it's because they murdered their parents. You know, is it a fall from grace thing? Maybe not. Maybe it's just that people love the macabre. And the, you know, yeah. like they, we can't we can't look away from a train wreck. No, but I I do think that there's probably a divided audience for this kind of story where there's some that are like they just like murder and they like mm-hmm. you know they like court stuff. And then there's some that I think like the fact that these entitled kids got what they want, like what they deserve in some way, and they probably don't care too much about the details of the story or feel like it's just you know the those boys like telling a story. Yeah. And then there's us who are like, we, I think there's an element where I'm a little bit of all of it. Like I kind of like the macabre, I kind of like true crime stuff, but I also find the psyche part really interesting. Well, yeah, Dave, like I I think that like we were trying to explain last time, it's not so much that we're trying to get exactly right. What happened? Like we want to tell the story about what happened essentially, but what we want to know is why it happened. Like what was going on? What were the factors that were, what, what made this happen? And I think like an important, an important story to tell in this specific one. And for almost any, any story we tell, like you can go on any source and read the exact like way it went down, the facts about it, but like our job and our mission is always the same. It's to bring as many different perspectives and lights to a story that is commonly told one way, right? Through the one perspective and one opinion of whoever like and that's why i think our conversations in my opinion and there's probably listeners who totally disagree but like our conversations i think kind of work because we say this all the time but often you and i land on very different places right and but then sometimes we'll have a conversation and we'll both start to shift our opinions and something will come up and be like oh i didn't even think of this or oh i see it your way um so it's interesting. I, and I, I hope that that's coming across in this conversation and all of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we do for a living, right? We want to like, you know, people are thinking one way about themselves and we have to show them the way they think about themselves from different perspectives. And, you know, it's not just one way of thinking. And, you know, maybe 
what we try to do here is, you know, sometimes it's tough when you completely disagree with someone all the time, but if there's mutual respect there, you can, you can learn from, from that other person. And, and like, I think that, was that a jab a at me? Be, there's a lot to be learned from that, especially politically. Was that a jab at me? <laughs> no, not at all. I, I, I don't I, always I, see it differently. Just some cases. Not, not all. No, honestly, like not always, not always, but sometimes I, and then even sometimes surprisingly, we see it differently, but not the way you think we would see sure. it differently. It sure. just, just happens that way. Yeah. But um, this was a fun one. And I think, you know, this was a good pick. This was a Dave pick. And I, I had a good time with this one. It was like, no, it was like, this was not work last, last episode. I could be honest with work. It was, yeah. it was work like yeah. trying to figure out like a good angle. This was just, whoa. Like a and I want to give, I want to give full disclosure on this pick. Cause I actually wanted to do true crime. I wanted to do someone like something with murder, but I was actually going to pick something else. I wanted to get this one in before the craze of the Netflix show monster. Yeah. And it's going to say it. So it's like known. I wanted to do it before that, because if we do it after that, then we just look like we're jumping on a bandwagon. And yeah. that's like, we are actively not wanting to do that approach. Yeah. Like that doesn't benefit us to just recycle something that everybody's talking about. No, I get it. We don't want to watch the show and then talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we talked about it. Like I would love to do Dahmer on an episode. He's super interesting, but like, I feel like we can't. Probably Dahmer is super interesting years. because Dahmer is one of those where you can't, it's hard to find, like, see these, you can trace it back and you're like, what created this? Like what changed in their personality? What, what behaviors worked for them at a time when they were little that, you know, turned them into monsters as adults? With Dahmer, it's hard to find that moment where you could say, oh, that was the moment where maybe he became this thing. Yeah. It's, and and if we ever moment. were doing it, I have a few ideas on him, but like, how do we do it? Because everybody's talked about it. And yeah, not- well, so we don't. I mean, it's there. It's the, If you're interested in Dahmer, Netflix proud proud sponsor of the podcast, just jump on there and Reese, check it out. Just recent, actually. Just yesterday, they uh, signed <laughs> yeah. a big contract with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I think that that's yeah. a wrap-up. Um, so, again, if you guys do enjoy what we do here please rate and review it's it means a lot and if you don't like it just send us a personal message and we'll uh we'll take it from there yeah we'll settle it settle the old school way yeah yeah send a message all right everybody (laughs) thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode we will be back next week so everybody be safe have a great night and be nice to your parents (laughs) yeah yep good night